The strain doesn't matter as much as the ripeness of the trichomes. And the reason I say that is this. Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. What is going on, everybody? It is the Mary Jane Experience Podcast. We are here again. Myself, Casey Jones, alongside Strawberry Sequoia. We have good news for you, everybody. This is another fun episode. Not as dense or as heavy as some of the stuff we've been covering recently. Changing it up. This week, we talked to Jeff, the 420 chef. Strawberry Sequoia, what'd you talk about? So this is a fun episode. Jeff, a former underwear marketing executive in New York. Good for him. Turned cannabis chef extraordinaire. He has figured out how to take your cannabis and make it taste like oregano so you can sprinkle it on pizza and still get high as fuck. Yeah. This this follows in line with the uh, the Ripple stuff that we've tried and we've written reviews on. It's, it's cool when, when people are out there doing stuff with cannabis that you it's almost one of those like uh la duh eventually somebody was going to do that but to see people actually doing it is really cool i always very much appreciate anybody that is using cannabis in an edible way that is completely new and different and interesting this is one of those things i'm excited to get some oregano and sprinkle it on pizza we all know my love of pizza i'm a pizza snob i would very much enjoy getting high while eating pizza this sounds great. So in today's episode, we're going to hear about Jeff's journey into becoming a 420 chef. We're going to hear about some of his favorite recipes and some best practices while cooking with weed. We're going to hear about his creations that make weed essentially taste like whatever you want it to taste like. And... We're going to talk a little bit about Jeff's new consumption lounge slash restaurant that will be opening soon. Which we will definitely be going to and doing a review for. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So without further ado, let's hear it from Jeff on how he went from marketing underwear brands, big ones in New York to becoming a 420 chef. So I'll tell you, it's interesting. Um, before I became a cannabis chef, I was uh, doing marketing in New York. I was a fashion exec, an executive in the fashion industry, doing marketing for some pretty big, well-known uh, underwear brands, actually, at the time. And I've been doing that for a little over 25 years, and I kind of knew there was more. And I was at that place in my life where I was like, do I really want this on my tombstone or should we doing something a little different? And I had no clue what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to do something that could help people other than putting sexy underwear on them. And, uh, helpful. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And it did help a lot of people. Like I got to tell you, I mean, I was actually, um, the brand architect behind the brand called two exists underwear, which became huge in the gay community. Um, and you know, from there I started with other, you know, underwear brands. I did Puma underwear and I did a company called play underwear and I did, um, uh, an outdoor, uh, thermal underwear brand. I mean, I was really, you know, immersed in the underwear industry. And at a certain point in time, I was like, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. And um, I had at the time also had just started cooking 
and baking for a family member who was suffering from a inoperable brain cancer, a brain tumor. And um, my, one of my friend's moms around the same time uh, was also diagnosed with stage four um, ovarian cancer. And both of them had medical marijuana recommendations, which is like a prescription, but they didn't want to smoke it. And at the time, edibles weren't really even a thing, you know? So, I mean, you could actually take the cannabis and you could make edibles out of them. Um, but edibles as a, as a known quantity weren't, weren't really out there in a big way yet. And everything tasted pretty bad if there was anything. So I started uh, cooking with cannabis and trying to make them cookies. And, you know, just because I love making cookies and brownies and cakes and stuff, um, uh, they would ask me for those products without cannabis. But then one of them said, why don't you try it with cannabis? And it was actually my son, Jared, who's now present to my company, who came to me and said, hey, you know, um, his stepbrother, you know, who was the one who had the uh, brain tumor, um, didn't like the taste of cannabis in the food. And was there a way that I could possibly remove that taste of cannabis? And um, it took me about a year and a half, but I figured it out. And right around that time was when I had the epiphany of, you know what, I can just become a cannabis chef. Nobody else doing it at the time, really. Um, there were you know, a couple other people that were dabbling in it. And now they're actually um, pretty well-known named cannabis chefs as well. Um, one of them is Andrea Drummer. She's now the chef over at Lowell Cafe, which is uh, the new, uh, the first cannabis cafe to open in West Hollywood. We'll be opening up the second cafe, which is Budberry. And then one of the other chefs is a guy named Holden Jagger, um, who did a lot of pairings and stuff. And he's also getting ready to uh, work with one of the lounges here. But going back to that time, um, it took me a while, but I finally figured out how to remove the cannabis taste from the butters and oils that I was using to make my baked goods. And once I figured that out and I put it out there, the world started opening up to me. And I said, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life is helping people with infused edibles that don't taste like weed. A fun journey from underwear marketing to a cannabis chef extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and this is again, it's it, it's one of those kind of similar themes that we've seen uh, in talking to people that have made their way from a fairly professional position or something that would be considered quote unquote super professional to you know an upstart industry that is still in many ways illicit. Um, you know, the CEO of Native Roots, nineteen oh six, they all had jobs previous to their existence in the canvas world. So it's interesting to see that that's a uh, commonality in a lot of these people that we talk to. Definitely. And another commonality is feeling like this is a way I can help people using what I, the resources that I have. So Jeff said, okay, well, you know, this person has this disease or illness. I can bake and I can bake weed into this and I can help my friends. But of course, as we've, anyone that's baked or cooked with cannabis before, <laughs> you're like, how do I get this like hashy weed taste out? How can I do this in my home kitchen? How can I get like, yeah. not the weed flavor? Well, and side note, when we were in college, we would, we would try to make a weed cornbread and it would just come out green. <laughs> <laughs> and you just knew, you're like, oh, this is going to taste like burnt weed. <laughs> that's why people don't make weed cornbread. <laughs> exactly. But Jeff could because he has figured it out. So I was like, all right, let's talk about the art of cooking with cannabis. Let's talk about how it 
is even possible to take that weed taste and smell out tell you why it tastes like that so people think oh it just tastes like weed it really doesn't taste like weed per se that taste that you're tasting which is always the same no matter what strain of cannabis you use unless you there's a very specific process you can use to really infuse the actual terpenes from the cannabis into food and it's very complicated and i do do it but um it's very rare and it's with only very specific recipes but what you're really tasting when you cook with cannabis is burnt terpenes burnt chlorophyll and burnt flavonoids and that those all combine to give you that really weedy herbaceous taste but the funny thing is that no matter what strain you use and we know that strains strains have very very different tastes and odor profiles for some reason everything tastes really the same when it has that quote unquote weedy taste. And that's really just because it's a byproduct of the burnt terpenes, flavonoids, and chlorophyll. So I figured out a way to remove those compounds, but still keep the THC and CBD intact in the trichomes. And now we cook straight with, you know, the trichomes that are all that are on the plant that are sloughed off into our oils or butters that have no cannabis taste. As soon as I figured out how to take out the taste, I knew it had something really compelling, um, but I also knew that I wanted to share it with the world, but I also wanted to make sure that I could, you know, make a living on it. So what I decided to do is I decided to share the first part of a five-part process with everybody out there. And that first part of the process is, you know, removing a lot of the uh, compounds on the outside of the plant responsible for that taste and you know you can actually find that process online if you type in chef the 420 chef light tasting can of butter or can of oil or even in my cookbook uh the 420 gourmet um there is a step-by-step you know process that teaches you how to clean your cannabis and remove all the surface compounds from that plant that are uh potentially uh contaminated or, you know, because obviously, you know, in California, we're lucky because we have can- cannabis that's 100% clean. But um, outside of California and many markets, the cannabis is not clean. So, you know, removes all those um, contaminated compounds as well as um, some of the more volatile surface terpenes that are responsible for the odor and taste. So you can clean your cannabis first, put it through the process, and then you can make a can of oil or can of butter that's much lighter tasting. Uh, than a typical can of butter or can of oil. And if you use it properly, and I teach you how to do that in the cookbook as well, um, you are able to make uh, edibles that are virtually tasteless. So it sounds like it's all in the trichomes. Trichomes, by the way, which we should, just for educational purposes, when you look at weed, you look really closely and you see all those crystals, people always really hyped on, ooh, look at the crystals and stuff like that. Those are actually trichomes. They look like mini, teeny tiny mushrooms. Yeah, if you look in a microscope, they're like clear little mushrooms. Again, another sign from the universe. I'm just saying. No matter what strain you use, no matter what, like it's all about that burnt plant matter is what is making your edibles taste like shit. So he figured out how to do it all with the trichromes. Trichomes? (laughs) Is it chromes or combs? We're, we're going to the internet here for reference. We want to get this right. Try combs. Combs. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. So kind of a very cool and interesting process, again, along the lines of, of people that are, you know, devising more and better ways to ingest cannabis. Um, and then reintroducing terpenes later, which you would lose from the plant matter. But you can get those from, as we said, lavender and all kinds of 
you know, places all over the world. So you don't have to worry about um, losing necessarily that element of the plant as well in his process. So that's very cool. Very cool. So the next step, essentially, and, and he does have a five point presentation on how to do this. And we'll put the link in our blog. But the next step and the one that I was curious about is extraction. What is the best way to extract the THC or any cannabinoids that you're looking for and cook with it? So the easiest way is to take your cannabis once it's been cleaned and to put it into either, I like to use a French press because it has a built-in filter, you have built-in filtration system. So you just put that into a French press with either butter or oil. Then you put that French press into a pot of boiling water. You have to bring it up to a specific temperature. So between 175 and 212 is really when the uh, trichomes, which house the THC and the CBD uh, of the plant, when those start to melt off, and by putting it into butter or oil and then putting it into that hot water, once the butter or oil reaches the proper temperature, the trichomes begin to melt off of the cellulose of the plant. And then those trichomes will infuse the butter or oil. So it's about a two hour process um, if you do it properly. And uh, then you'll have you know, a really nice tasting can of butter or can of oil that you could use just like you would use a typical butter or oil in any recipe. The trick comes to dosing. And, you know, just because, for example, you know, let's say that you infuse a stick of butter, right? And now you have one stick of infused can of butter and you want to put um, cannabis into your chocolate chip cookies. The trick is not using the entire stick of butter in your cookies, but it's figuring out how potent that butter is and then how many tablespoons or how much of that butter you're going to add into your recipe and substitute you know, and so you know, substitute regular butter for can of butter um, or with can of butter so that you can actually do it. Yeah. So you don't do what every single person has done and have like a quarter of a brownie and be higher than you can handle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I literally just had a conversation with this guy a couple of days ago and he's like, I don't understand it. I put a stick of can of butter in my cookies and my cookies are so potent. I'm like, well, have you ever tried putting a half a stick of can of butter in your cookies? He's like, why would I do that if the recipe calls for a stick of butter? I said, well, what if you thought about using half a stick of regular butter and half a stick of can of butter to get your, your full stick of butter? He's like, you can do that. I was like, yeah. I mean, it, it homogenizes throughout if you do it properly. So you're just, you know, making your cookies a bit less potent, but then you can have two or three cookies instead of half of one cookie. I know. I feel like that is the biggest problem when people make homemade edibles. It's like they're so dangerous. Um, yeah, they're dangerous because they don't know the potency. But if you want to know the potency, by the way, of the edibles you're making, I invented a calculator. And that calculator will specifically tell you how potent the butter is that you're using to make your cookies. And then you can also figure out per serving how many milligrams each cookie is. And if you use the calculator before you cook, you can figure out how potent you want your cookies to be. If you know how many cookies you're going to make from your batch, then you can put in the right amount of can of butter into your uh, recipe so that each cookie you know is going to be, let's say, two and a half milligrams. Then you can have like two or three cookies. I'm happy to know that I now have another use for my French press. Ah, oh, you know, <laughs> it's been sitting on the shelf. For just just gathering dust. That, apparently, this is how you get trichomes off of weed. Who knew? I, I well, obviously, Jeff the 420 Chef did. Um, but so, more importantly is dosing because yep. we've all been in our home kitchens trying to make 
brownies, let's say, or whatever you're trying to make. Anybody that made brownies in in college or at some point has made them so potent that they were frustratingly dangerous. Exactly. Like you don't want to eat half a brownie and trip into actual outer space. <laughs> you want to eat three brownies because brownies are delicious. And when you eat a brownie and you get high, you want to eat another brownie. Yeah, because you're high. That's science. The... <laughs> Like a couple weeks ago, my brother made canna cinnamon buns and they were so good. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go crazy, but I'm going to have two. <laughs> he lives in an old house and there are mice in the walls and I'm by myself and it's the middle of the night and I swear to God, I was like thinking that these mice were speaking English. <laughs> like they were communicating. One of them was playing a guitar. They were planning their breakdown of the whole house. Like... <laughs> They're you just, can have some serious crazy shit happen when you have too much. Yeah. A, a too high dose. And it's weird. It feels like when you eat too much, like when you smoke a lot of weed, you don't get that crazy high. But when you eat a lot of weed and it's just like in your system, in your system, there's no getting past the thought of like mice communicating via Morse code to you. You're and just, what you're a novel fucking idea to maybe not use the whole <laughs> stick of can of butter. <laughs> this is a classic like stoner response to do. Like, well, the cookie recipe called for a stick of butter, so I put a whole stick of can of butter in there. Like, uh, do you ever think to use half can of butter, half regular butter? No, I never thought uh, of that shit. Oh. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the dumbest, like it should be the simplest thing in the world, <laughs> right? But oh, I never man. thought of it. I was always like, well, that's just what it is. It's no, strong. neither. Yeah, I don't know. Called for a stick of butter. We put a whole stick of can of butter in there. Like, oh, yeah. God damn it. And this is why your friend got so high that they couldn't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is some quality information that yeah. clearly at least we needed to hear. And I hope uh, you did too. I, I think every like stoner that's ever cooked with butter has never thought of that, <laughs> which is it's hilarious because it it's so it's simple. <laughs> so anyways, moving along, my next question for Jeff was about strains. Like, does it matter what strain you use and, you know, a strain for a certain recipe, you know, just give us the lowdown. Strain doesn't matter as much as the ripeness of the trichomes. And the reason I say that is this, because you're removing so many of the surface compounds, including the terpenes and the flavonoids and the chlorophyll that all come together when you're smoking cannabis to create what is called the entourage effect. We're removing all of that. And people are like, well, what about the terpenes? They're so good for you. And we can get to that in a minute as, you know, as a cannabis chef, how we replace terpenes in a, on a menu. But you know, just like you might want garlic or love garlic, you don't want garlic in your chocolate chip cookies, right? So when you're done putting your cannabis through my process, all that you have left is the cellulose plant and the trichomes, and that's what you're putting into your butter or oil. The effect and the feeling that you get is based on the ripeness of those trichomes. So there are three different phases of ripeness, and as a cannabis chef, you have to be aware of this because depending on when the cannabis was harvested in its ripening phase, that's that will determine the effect that your edibles will have. So if you are, if the, if the plant is harvested early in the cycle, when the trichomes are glassy and milky, and milky is actually, you know, the sweet spot. So if you look at a banana, you know, you've got a banana has, let's just take three different ripening phases of a banana, right? So it would be yellow with a little bit of green on the top. That would be the beginning of the ripening cycle for cannabis where your trichomes are milky, and glassy. They start out glassy, they go to milky, and then they turn to amber. So when you are cooking with cannabis and your trichomes are milky to glassy, that's going to be a more uplifting effect. 
But now go back to that banana for a second. Once a banana starts to ripen more, it starts getting little spots on it, right? That is when the trichomes start turning amber. So when the trichomes are amber, that's a more sedative or calming effect. So if you're taking your, if you look at cannabis and you say, oh wow, my trichomes are milky into amber, that means that you're going to have a more sedative effect with your edibles. And if your trichomes are milky to or are glassy to milky, then you'll know that it's going to have a more uplifting effect. So if you know, if you can look at the trichomes, which are the little crystals, um, and you just have to look under like a loop, like a jeweler's loop, or you know, most people don't have a microscope, but you can clearly see them under the loop. Um, if they are glassy and milky, it's going to be more uplifting. And if they are milky and amber, then it's going to be more sedative. That's the only thing you need to know with regards to effect. So if you take nothing away from this episode, that conversation about trichome ripeness as its effect on either up or down is incredibly interesting because we've heard yeah exactly because we've heard for the entire last year that we've been doing this you know more and more people are saying oh the the strain indigo to sativa that doesn't matter doesn't mean shit like it it, it's about the terpene profile and it's about the entourage effect and and here's another one of those things that comes out of left field the trichome ripeness could have an effect on whether or not that weed makes you feel up or down. Glassy to milky to amber. Yeah. Glassy would be your more like thought of sativa, mm-hmm. amber being more of your indica and everywhere in between. But yeah. it's all about the trichomes and not the, the strain doesn't matter. The strain doesn't matter. And and That's we've been cool. hearing people tell us this. No, the strain doesn't matter. We're like, why? Like, oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's so interesting to learn these little bits of information that, that actually matter. More of those important facts here in a moment from the Mary Jane Experience podcast. But quickly, we have a brief announcement this year inspired by the opt outside hashtag from REI. If you're like us and you hate Black Friday and you want to do something completely different, we encourage you. Hashtag opt to get high. That's right, folks. Spend this Friday being happy and loving, doing what you love. Share a picture of what you're doing. Use the opt to get high hashtag. Tag the Mary Jane experience in your social media posts and we'll share it. We'll encourage people to do other things besides buying cheap crap. It's going to be a good Friday this year. Hashtag opt to get high. And more from the Mary Jane Experience podcast here in a brief moment after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Canna Style. Canna Style is a female-focused lifestyle brand redefining what it means to be a stoner. Find beautiful pieces to elevate your smoke sesh and fun apparel and accessories that celebrate a cannabis-friendly lifestyle. From pipes, lighters, trays, papers, apparel, and even odor-proof leather bags. You will find it at shopcannastyle.com. You can also connect with people and happenings in the cannabis industry by following Canastyle on Instagram, at Canastyle. So well, if the you're... terpenes are talked up so much. It's yeah. like, okay, I don't care about indica sativa, but terpenes. But he's actually saying he's taking all the terpenes out and that it all is about the trichromes. Mm-hmm. But in post, essentially, <laughs> he puts them back in. So 
How does he do that? Let's find out. The crazy thing is that, you know, people think, oh, cannabis chef, all you do is you take cannabis and throw it into, you know, uh, your food or your, your butter or oil and you can become a cannabis chef. It's not that easy. You know, you have to know what you're working with as an ingredient like anything else. And also, you have to understand that the terpenes, which are beneficial, which if you use them in your butter or oil, get burnt off and you get that terrible taste. So you end up having to remove them to get rid of that taste. Then how are you going to put the terpenes back into, for example, the experience? So if you have a meal that you're preparing, it's very easy to put the terpenes back into that experience by including the terpenes in the food items. And the reason I say that is because the terpenes that are found in cannabis are the same exact terpenes that are found in natural food items like fruits and vegetables, for example. So let's say that my strain of cannabis that I'm starting with has um, a heavy amount of pinene, which is one of the terpenes, as well as limonene. So limonene can also be found in citrus fruits like oranges and lemons and limes. And pinene can be found in uh, other food like basil and pine nuts. So you can reintroduce the terpenes into your menu, for example, by making something with a pesto, which is basil and pine nuts, and then making maybe for a dessert doing a key lime pie where you get the limonene. And the reason you can do that is because your body doesn't know that the terpenes specifically come from cannabis or they come from another food source. It just knows the terpene limonene and it just knows the terpene pinene. Wherever your body gets it from, doesn't matter. Your body knows specifically that it is getting limonene and pinene, but it doesn't have to be from the cannabis. As we were just talking about, this is another one of those sort of hidden in plain sight things. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could just reintroduce the terpenes later. You don't have to worry about getting all of the plant. And, and then you don't have burnt terpenes that don't do anyone any good yeah. anyways. And then you, and you, nobody's benefiting from that anyway. Yeah. The, again, this is one of those like stupid like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I guess sense. I didn't realize <laughs> in a way, and, and maybe it's super common sense, but that your body doesn't know that the terpenes coming from cannabis. Excellent it doesn't point. know or care. You can get your cannabis and then reintroduce the terpenes and your body can have that great reaction. And yeah, you'll get that entourage effect. Yeah. Because you'll you'll have it all. It'll all be introduced at some point, no matter where it came from. So I know. What that's a, kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's so cool. And Jeff even had more to say about terpenes and how they affect the experience of weed. The terpenes are actually the variable. So, you know, you've got obviously certain parts of the plant that are variable and certain parts of the plant that are static, right? So your trichomes are, the, are static. You know that you're always going to have the trichomes and you know based on ripeness, as I described earlier, what it's going to make you feel like. The variables are the terpenes and the cannabinoid ratios um, that are in the rest of the plant. If you remove all of those variables from the process, then you're only working with the trichomes. And then you know what the effect is going to be based on the trichomes. The, the reason why it works so well with cooking is because if you left the terpenes in your cannabis to cook with them, they get burnt off anyway. And burnt terpenes don't do anybody any good. So unless you really know what you're doing to preserve the integrity of those terpenes, and those terpenes burn off at very low temperatures, some of them. So you are always going to lose terpenes and burning terpenes off if you're cooking with 
the cannabis with the terpenes. The only way that you're going to not burn them off, and maybe you know, maybe you might burn off 10% is if you did raw foods. So again, just another one of those very interesting parts of the cannabis plant. We get more and more into the details of it. A lot of the layers get peeled back about the effects and how it works on you and what terpenes play into that profile of the quote-unquote entourage effect. And very cool that he's devised a way to reintroduce them. So again, yeah. just the more and more we know, the more and more it's like the aha moment. The more moment. you know. Yeah, the more you know. Variable, variables versus constants yep. in that the trichomes are the constant mm-hmm. and a lot of the other elements of the cannabis plant are variables. So work with the constant, introduce the variables back in in a, you know, intelligent way yeah again if you if you learn nothing else from this podcast it's the importance of trichomes and trichome ripeness and that effect that it has on your weed yeah crazy i had no idea exactly so (laughs) changing gears just a little bit i personally have a plant-based diet and i we do have to out ourselves it's douchey to say but we are pescatarians I'm a pesc- pescatarian. I only eat carnivorous fish, but that's just me. I'm a reducitarian, actually. So I'll just Fair. about eat anything if it fits. If you know, if I'm traveling, like I'm going to get into your culture and I'm yeah. going to eat whatever you have. But generally, day to day, I try and be as vegan as possible. It doesn't always happen, but that's that's my goal. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask Jeff about plant-based cooking with cannabis, and he actually had like some fun ideas. I'm so happy you brought that up. (laughs) So there's two things you can do. So the first thing is we have um, obviously the leaves, right? So what I've been doing for a very long time is using the leaves in certain recipes. So my canna spinach lasagna, for example, is a perfect example where we will take the leaves and chop them up with spinach. And then you're eating cannabis and spinach in your lasagna which tastes really great the the actual leaves themselves have a very peppery taste and if you cook them properly you actually end up decarbing which is activating the cannabis and you can get high from it so that's one way that you can actually cook with the plant something else which i'd like to bring up is i've invented something called culinary cannabis which again is edible cannabis flower so the same bud that you smoke i've been able to figure out a way to turn it into an edible cannabis actual herb and we put it through my process where we take out all of the compounds responsible for the original taste and odor of the plant and what's left again is the cellulose of the plant or the trichomes but then i take it down one step further and this is all through culinary processing there's no chemicals involved there's no additives and what we do is we were able to make that cellulose to the plant uh, to a point where it's absorbent almost like a piece of bread is absorbent to odor so if you've ever put for example a piece of bread in a paper bag with a banana, that piece of bread after about an hour will taste like the banana. And it was one of the things that I hated most when I used to go to school. My mom used to make me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and put a banana in the bag. And my sandwich tasted like banana. I was like, how is that even possible? There's no banana in the sandwich. And take that now ahead into my life now. And I use the same principle to figure out a way to reinfuse odor and flavor into that cannabis so that it can taste like different herbs like oregano and basil and thyme and rosemary. So now we've got a whole line of products called culinary cannabis that are coming out in February. And you'll be able, for example, to take our oregano 
right, which is oregano spelled with a capital N-O at the end because it's not really oregano, but it's 100% cannabis that mimics the odor and taste of oregano. So you can use it in your recipe in place of oregano and you get high from it. And no one's ever been able to do that before. Yeah, and there's no additives, which is the greatest part thing about it. I mean, I did not believe I could do it until I literally, I designed this like, you know, this little contraption that will extract the odor from oregano or rosemary or lavender, right? And then it will infuse the air within the chamber in that in this little machine I have. Then we put the cannabis into that chamber and within 24 hours, the cannabis has assumed the odor and taste qualities of whatever we put in there. So I can do lavender, I can do clove, I can do basil, I can do a rosemary. I mean, it doesn't matter. So there is zero doubt in my mind that we're going to have these products in our kitchen as soon as they're available. Oh, hell yeah. What? But again, it comes back to one of those very simple processes. Like if you were just a, a cook in any regard, you could probably deduce this and come up with the science behind it to make it happen. It, it's, it's incredibly simple. And I think that it's simplicity is what kind of makes it so wonderful in my head. It's like, yeah, you could just make weed taste like oregano by just putting it probably in a vat of oregano. I mean, I think that it, it sounds more simple, I'm sure than it is oh, yeah, or maybe sure. not, but I, love the idea of culinary cannabis. I love the idea that I can put basil or oregano or any or rosemary into my recipes and it'll get me high. No. And it's just cannabis. It's not, you know, some crazy chemical process or something. It's just, no, it's, yeah. it's organic. It's culinary processes. There's no like ethanol extraction method or, or you know other things involved so it's it's really really cool to see what what he's doing and you know we look forward to the products coming out and and i think at, this again is one of those uh constants in the cannabis industry that i think is very interesting is people coming from other walks of life looking at cannabis not as just a way to get high but a way to enjoy and enhance your life and the products that are coming out of those thought processes i think are awesome and this is in line with kind of the products that we love the most so as soon as these are out, we will definitely get our hands on them and review them. Yep. We're definitely. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm putting oregano, cannabis oregano on my pizza for sure. Hell yeah. So actually, um, not only can you put it on your pizza, but Jeff is actually coming out with a whole line of smokable cannabis that doesn't taste or smell like weed. So you can, you know, on your lunch break at work, say go out and smoke a <laughs> joint, but it will smell like you're smoking lavender. To be perfectly honest, we absolutely condone the use of marijuana at work. Uh, I want to incriminate ourselves in a way, but I've done it. Responsible. Responsible. Cannabis use at work. Like, yep. If it makes you more effective, go for it. If it makes you high out of your mind and you can't do anything except giggle on the floor, obviously, different yeah. story. Know yourself. But Set I wanted to hear a little more about these taste or not tasteless, but um, odorless tasteless then reinfused to potentially be anything you want smokable cannabis we literally can make it taste like anything we want we've got over 30 flavors of flavored smokable products so it's basically it's a joint that you smoke and it's flour but it tastes like lavender or it tastes like clove or it tastes like cool mint but when you blow out the smoke there's no odor of cannabis it's just like a smoky odor and it has a little hint of for example the lavender or the clove but that's it wow. 
the future is now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, who knew like back when we were all, you know, smoking weed in our closet to hide that there would one day be weed that tastes like lavender. It's, uh, and now you don't have to hide. I mean, you can talk to your friends and go, go for a smoke break at four o'clock with your, you know, with your colleagues and no, 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 you're smoking weed. Or you can be, you know, a lot of people like to hotbox, wherever you hotbox, whether it's, you know, in a small room or, you know, somewhere else, <laughs> like your car, which I shouldn't say out, out loud. But anyway, if anybody, you know, and if anybody pulled you over, it would not smell like weed in your car. So weed that tastes and smells like lavender. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to like detract from it. Is it going to well, ruin weed? I think that's a, just weed? a different profile of cannabis user like some people you know you're tried and true through and through stoner like they want it to taste like that og kush true but grandma that wants to try weed maybe she would prefer something that tastes a little different it's just a it's a different experience for sure yeah that yeah yeah you're absolutely right and this again follows in line with what we were just talking about you know the more and more and the uh, different products that come out that are you know, almost like eventually somebody was going to think of this aha moments and it makes sense. I'm, I'm in, interested and curious how the products will turn out. Again, we'll definitely review those um, unbiased and unpaid. We'll tell you for sure how they feel. Um, and then also you, he's opening up a restaurant as well. Or a, Yeah. A so you can't buy these products like off the shelf or anything like that, but I think he said that like the soft friends and family opening is going to be February. That's when they're going to be yeah. kind of ready-ish. But likely around faux 20, um, April, yeah, <laughs> April 20, of course, <laughs> this year, they're going to be opening a cafe, a consumption lounge in yeah. California called Budberry. So we did ask if he would spill the beans a little bit on what's going to go on at Budberry. So you'll be able to uh, purchase it at Budbury, which is our new lounge that's opening up. Um, we're hoping it's going to be February, but uh, based on, you know, just obviously build outs and everything we're going through with, you know, city and state and regulations and everything, it could be, you know, as late as April. Um, our target date for a public grand opening is April 20th, but our target date for friends and family uh, is probably it's not like mid-February. And not only what he's going to be doing at Budberry, but also um, we did want to know how to put together a meal that you could uh, not overdose anybody with. Like how to have a lot of food and how to have a lot of different dishes without each one being incredibly potent. Yes, right? the art of cannabis meal planning. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. So the secret to planning a cannabis-infused meal is microdosing and something that I call layered microdosing. So what that is, is every item in the meal is, is dosed very low. For example, we do um, hazy Thai wings is Thai street wings that I've been able to mimic uh, with, uh, you know, uh, with cannabis. And each one of those wings might only be one and a half milligrams. So we want people at our dinner parties to go up to about 10, maybe 15 milligrams, depending on who the person is. I typically try to keep everybody at 10 because that seems to be the magic number where people are really feeling it, but it's not too much. And we tell them, listen, we suggest 10 milligrams throughout the entire meal. If each of the wings is a milligram to a milligram and a half, depending on how I make them, uh, you know, you can have three or four wings 
and still have the regular non-infused wings and then have other infused options as well. So we'll always tell people what the low dose is, and then they have to understand that they're layering doses one on top of the other until they hit, for example, 10 or 15 milligrams. You know, it's one of those things that we realized early on that I want people to enjoy all the food I make, not just one or two items. And all of a sudden, an hour and a half in, they're just like too slogged to do anything else except just sit around and blah. So we specifically look for strains that are more uplifting. So if one's having a really good time, um, we will always make the suggestion that you stick within 10 milligrams or under unless you already know that, you know, you need a little bit more to feel anything, which is fine. Um, but, you know, we'll take you only up to that place where everyone's going to still have a great time and not feel like they just can't move anymore. Yeah. And it's also, the, you know, based on what strains we use and not even the strains, but based on the ripeness of the trichomes of the product that we use. Nice. Well, I don't have to fear eating at your restaurant then. <laughs> well, you, you definitely don't, but not because, um, not necessarily because of the way that we cook, because we're not allowed to infuse items within the cafe just yet the way that the city and state are making us start out is we have to work with either a restaurant or several restaurants um, nearby that can deliver food in and then for us our business model is you can then infuse that food yourself with our culinary cannabis so if you can order a pizza from the place across the street and infuse it with the oregano, you can order uh, lemon chicken from across, you know, from next door and you can infuse it with our rosemary Jane. So then you get a rosemary lemon chicken. So, you know, these, these are different types of pairings, but it's pairings of herbs, the pairings of the herbs that um, are paired with whatever food item you're going to order from the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, you got to get around the, uh, the laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just don't want us for whatever reason cooking with cannabis in the kitchens just yet. So a lot of cool stuff going on, it sounds like. But again, the, the um, public consumption or cafe situation, still a, a weird legal zone. Yeah, the it, laws are kind of screwing things up to yeah. where you can't make a cannabis-infused meal. You have to get to-go food and then infuse yeah. it later. And then like season it with cannabis. Which I think might be really fun and experiential. Yeah, no, I, and I, I see it and, and obviously I think it's going to be great and, and it's super fun and it is a step in the right direction, but it makes me think of a conversation I had with a guy in an airport not too long ago. He was from Hawaii and we were just talking about legal cannabis. He found out I'm from Colorado, they're from Hawaii, blah, blah, blah. And he made the comment that the wrong people are in place to regulate this because they're regulating it like alcohol and yeah. not like an herb or like a plant. And there's a lot of those situations that we've seen in California and Canada. Um, you know, smaller population states like Colorado have kind of figured it out a little bit, but this is another case where it's one of those like, Oh, come on. <laughs> Just let the guy cook with some weed butter, you know? Yeah, well, but, the government ruins everything, as well, we know. Yeah, That's yeah. just how it is. But Step in the right getting direction. back to the fun stuff, <laughs> um, when I told people I was interviewing Jeff, the 420 chef, the number one question was, of course, what are his favorite recipes? So had to ask. Here they are. <laughs> I'm so happy you asked. Um, I've got a book of 100 right now called The 420 Gourmet. <laughs> They're all in there. Perfect. I'm working on my second cookbook already. Um, but like, I personally love the simplicity of infusion if I'm doing my own thing. 
So, you know, I love to be able to use my culinary cannabis when I cook. So anything that I make now, it doesn't matter, you know, my favorite food might be my mother's meatloaf, right? It's super simple for me to infuse that meatloaf and to actually have an amazing experience with that meatloaf because it's been infused with my rosemary, Jane. <laughs> you know, so I have a lot of favorite recipes, a lot of amazing things. I can tell you, you know, uh, the can of apple roses has been a favorite for a long time, but not just my favorite, but, you know, for many people, and I do them all over the place. I've probably done about four or 5,000 of these little apple roses, and they look just like a little apple rose pastry, except they're super infused, and we do all different flavors and colors, and I love doing that. Um, that's on the sweet side. But on the other side, you know, on the savory side, my hazy Thai wings are my own personal favorite and also my loaded mac and cheese. So, you know, the same way that you make a regular mac and cheese using butter in your, in your cheese sauce, I just happen to use my can of butter in that cheese sauce. And it's pretty awesome. You're right. And if you're making brownies, make them special, you know, <laughs> I mean, not just special because they have weed in them, but you could do a lot of fun things with them as long as you have the right ingredients like the can of butter or the can of oil that you've made at home, you know, that doesn't have a strong cannabis taste in it. Obviously he has some favorite recipes, but courtesy of culinary cannabis your favorite recipe can now be turned into a way to get high without it having to taste like hash oil i almost and and this is wrong and obviously you should never dose people with a mind-altering substance without them being aware but my uncle who avid cannabis user did tell me a story about how he made weed brownies and accidentally had my grandma and grandpa and my mom ate them and they didn't know and they just thought they were all kind of like getting silly drunk but they were just stoned out of their minds it would be interesting to like make a cannabis meal and just not say anything <laughs> but oh. i know that's a, that's wrong but anyway we would never <laughs> wink wink anyway <laughs> no but it's super cool so your favorite recipes whatever you love to cook at home your mother's meatloaf your mother's meatloaf your uh, my, mother's vegan lentil loaf. My grandma's goulash. The tofurkey. The to tofurkey. The tofucking. What? Thanksgiving is coming up. Oh, the the to tofu turducken. The tofucking. Yeah, it there's so there's this YouTube video and it's like a 90 year old woman and she's like, today we're gonna make a tofucking, and it's like a vegan tofu turkey stuff with like vegan duck and it's uh, hilarious. So go watch it. Uh, as vegetarians and pescatarians we now have to make a cannabis infused tofucking for oh my god maybe jeff can help us oh my god. i'm gonna call him oh well we're definitely doing right that now, now. Uh, okay <laughs> so important topic. thing question we ask every single person that ever comes on the podcast you know what it is one five and ten industry predictions Oh, that is so interesting. I would say, yeah, in my one-year prediction is that cannabis is going to continue to, uh, the, the groundswell of legalization is going to con continue to move across the country. And within five years, I would think not only the United States, but other countries all over the world will be legal, at least for medical, but I would say adult use and recreational will be available to everyone because people are realizing that it is not the horrible devil's lettuce that it used that it was portrayed in as a drug on the war on drugs, you know, for so many years, you know, since the thirties. Um, you know, I also feel that on the culinary space specifically, and also in other areas, it's going to become more mainstream. 
where, you know, now it's just starting to mainstream, but you know, my product obviously is only one of several new mainstream products that are coming to life. So, you know, I have culinary cannabis, but a good friend of mine um, invented cannabis infused sugar that tastes exactly like sugar, but it's infused and he's got it down to about to five milligrams per, I think it's per teaspoon or per tablespoon. It comes pre-packed already as little sugar packs. So now you've got, for example, sugar and spice, right? Within 10 years, I'll say that cannabis will be so mainstream, you'll be able to get, I don't know if you'll be able to get it specifically at Whole Foods, although you're able, you'll definitely be able to get CBD products, you know, places like Whole Foods, you already can. Um, but I, you know, I, but it'll be much more mainstream throughout. And uh, you'll be able to get THC specific products, um, if not just through dispensaries, there may be other, other places that you can get them and it'll just become very commonplace. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right on, in line with sort of how I feel about the timeline too. Like five years, we're really going to see some big stuff and 10, it's just going to be, there's no, going to be no questions anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, by that point in time, the old guard have, will have died off. You know, and I hate to say it that way, but it's true. I mean, there's nothing that bothers me more than these people that sit in Washington and government that have no clue what they're talking about, but they've always, you know, been, you know, led to believe that cannabis is a horrible gateway drug. In 10 years from now, those people will be gone. And if they're not gone, they'll be using cannabis themselves because it's going to help them get through their aches and pains and everything. They're going to realize what a wonderful herb this is. And with, you know, medicinal properties that can help everybody and the tunes will change. And within 10 years, I believe everyone's going to just be like, wow, you know, cannabis and cannabis is probably the way I see it. It's going to be one of the tools that we use to stop the opioid epidemic and to reverse what's happening with that. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm so passionate, obviously I have a podcast about it, but um, I really do feel like cannabis is gonna change the world in so many positive ways. Yeah, and it already is. You know, uh, I think the younger politicians, like, you know, one of my favorite politicians out there is, you know, um, AOC, you know, and she's incredible. And, you know, seeing having politicians out there specifically that are fighting for what's right and also fighting for legalization and also fighting for, to make sure that we can keep a regulated market in place and intact instead of pushing everybody underground. You know, we need younger politicians to understand the importance and the, vi the vital importance of what we're doing and to help us thrive. So. Absolutely. Um, little so glad we got into, yeah, well, you know, it's just, it's important to talk about, you know, even if sometimes it's a little uncomfortable or not everybody has the same views, but you know, we just, you got to throw it out there. You know, you don't want to talk a lot about politics. Obviously, I don't want to talk about it either because it gets kind of crazy or it can't get kind of crazy. But, you know, I think the coolest part about what's happening now in government, the only cool thing is that it has enlightened the younger generation to engage and to become active and to stop being apathetic. So I don't know if this guy is a psychic or medium of some sorts because you recorded this a couple weeks ago, correct? Yeah. And literally today or this week when we're recording this, Joe Biden, perfect example of the old guard, came out and said he believes that cannabis is a gateway drug because he's literally just so old and so set in his ways, he can't grasp the idea. He's just not sure. Yeah. You know, Which might just, have just been like a very diplomatic move, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Still, like the guy obviously has no goddamn clue what the hell he's talking about. 
but it it is interesting because across the board with obviously these very intelligent people many of whom come from extremely illustrious backgrounds you know holding high positions in business um have a very similar outlook on the timeline that we have you know one year you're going to see a deep you know destigmatized five years a lot more decriminalization happening 10 years potentially available at whole foods so yeah definitely interesting but one thing always. we're always doing here on the podcast is saying you know we're pretty pro pot obviously no <laughs> but is there a dark side is there are there bad things is there something we should be worried about and i i did just like out of the blue kind of pose that question in the current climate, the conversation about cannabis inherently and will always, for some, not for some reason, will always come back to politics because it is relevant. You know, we do, like we were just talking about, have people in place of power that have this staunch belief that cannabis is bad. That's how they were raised, right? They were raised in a generation where cannabis is associated with hippieism and, you know, the anti-Vietnam movement. So it's just bad. It has a bad stigma. And those people are in office right now. So it's it's always very interesting, no matter who we talk to and how light the topic is, concerning cannabis, the the conversation about it always comes back to politics. It's Absolutely. unavoidable. This well, is I'm not so the great I'm so glad pumpkin. he brought up the vaping crisis yeah. that we're having right now. You know, people are really afraid of vaping, and, and as they should be. But if cannabis was legalized, then we would have a regulated market with yeah. products that we can test and trust. And his opening statement there is perfect. You know, cannabis, the, the bad parts about cannabis are the bad people associated with the plant. The plant in and of itself, yin and yang, we just did a podcast about how it's potentially bad for some things. But you're right. Like, it's not, it's not the plant. It's how the plant's being treated by people. We're fucking it up. Yeah. Not the plant. Don't blame the plant. <laughs> so, I mean, I say it all the time, but whether you're pro-pot or anti-pot, weed, cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call oh. it, the safest thing you can do is legalize for your children, for your society, and your people. Mm-hmm. And keeping it illegal is making it dangerous, unhealthy, and unsafe. Yeah, it keeps the illicit gray and or black mm-hmm. markets out there and going. As so. much as, like... <clears throat> I don't want to be like a conspiracy theorist or anything, but like look at the health information and the nutrition information our government's been giving us. Yeah. Three glasses of milk a day. Like no one should be drinking dairy. <laughs> it's uh, to fatten baby cows. <laughs> and so, you know, you just can't always trust the information your government's giving yeah. you. And you can, generally speaking, trust scientists, science and research. And, you know, we want to be here to be the people you can trust too. And, we don't always have 100% our facts right. So, you know, we're going to always be fact checking ourselves, always talking yep. to the next person with the newest research. And and if we got something wrong, we will tell you. Yeah, we we have like the, the ongoing elastic clause in the like manifesto of the Mary Jane experience. We can change our statement and position on things. And I think everybody should. Um, but anyway, you know, to move on, uh, we had a couple of nice closing comments from Jeff. Um, regarding cannabis in and of itself and figured we should just play those for you because they were kind of lovely. Well, I I think, uh, you know, one thing that people should take away from this is that if you are going to be uh, enjoying edibles or making uh, edibles, uh, when it comes to cannabis, specifically THC infused edibles, you've got to go really low dose 
and you've got to take it slow. And it's okay if your edible is one and a half or two or three milligrams, and you're going to have one or two to try to titrate yourself, which is basically, you know, medicating yourself to a point where you're feeling just right. You know, when I first got into this, I was so excited that I got this 150 milligram THC pill. I couldn't wait to see what it was going to make me feel like. And I took this pill and it took me three days to get out of my stupor. I, I, I could not even walk from my bed to the bathroom without holding onto the wall. And then I just couldn't wait to crawl back into bed. And sometimes for, for those three days, I would be sitting on the toilet for three or four hours, just falling asleep and then getting up and going, oh my God, I've got to get back to my bed now. <laughs> you know. So I realized that 150 milligrams is not really something that works for me. Now, sure, there might be people out there that thrive on 150 milligrams, but it's very rare to find somebody like that. So as I started titrating myself and understanding that 150 was way too much, I took one of those pills, I put a little hole in it, and I started putting one drop into each of my brownies and figured out that if I made 10 brownies and each one was 15 milligrams, it was still a lot, a little too much for me, but it was a much better experience than the whole 150 milligram pill. Right. And then I cut those and then I cut that into, you know, thirds and made five milligram brownies out of it. And I realized that five milligrams for me was the magical dosage. Right. So go slow, go low, start low, don't start high like I did, um, and figure out what the uh what dosage works for you so i would take that one that would be one of my big takeaways for everybody you know most of our dinner parties you'll walk away feeling you could have two or three glasses of wine and you feel really good yeah that's perfect well jeff thank you so so much for this interview and for your time we can't wait to come out and see you in california and spend some time eating food with you <laughs> it was wonderful to be on your show strawberry thank you so much thank you Mate, if you want to think about cannabis edibles, you just got to think about low riders. Low and slow, baby. Low riders go a little slower. <laughs> but yeah, we say anyway. it all the time. Low and slow is the name of the game, especially if you're not an experienced cannabis user. Yep. Just start as small as possible. Take one milligram. Take half a milligram. And and don't use a full stick of can of butter in your cookies. <laughs> use a little can Thank of you. butter. And, and then wait. use the rest. The of classic mistake is like, I don't feel it. And so you double down oh, and then is, you feel it triple. That is the most amazing. Because, <laughs> again, like we've all had these stories as cannabis users, you know, you're like, I don't feel anything. And then you pop four or five more edibles in your mouth. And then three hours later, you're like, I don't even know where the fuck I am. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I'm now debating why my heart beats. <laughs> anyway. But what a fun episode. Jeff is not only a very talented chef, but he, I mean, he's a scientist. He is Incredibly very intelligent. intelligent. Yeah, and, a, and he's a master of his craft. He's yeah. always working towards new and innovative ideas. We're just so grateful to have had the opportunity to talk to him. Yeah, this was another one of those great episodes of, of just talking to somebody that truly has a passion for the goodness of it and came from a place of helping people. Yeah. And we always love to hear that, you know, people helping people. It's beautiful stuff, baby. Makes the world go around. You can feel the warmth of his heart coming through yeah. in just the audio. I mean, what a great guy. Yep. And we're going to have to Very go out welcome. to LA and visit him and check out his spot when it goes. And we'll tell you all about that, too. Oh, yeah. So that'll be fun. Well, I mean, when we go out to his um, Budberry is what it's going to be called. Yeah. 
We'll definitely be taking some videos. Yep, and we'll see that on the vlogs. Showing on the... you what's up there because it's going to be cool. Speaking of vlogs, we oh. are in the process of building a van. We have a new blog up. It is the Mary Jane Mobile. Mary Jane Mobile. That's right. We are making a van. We're taking it on the road. It's going to be a mobile podcast studio. If you're, it's basically just van life plus weed in the podcast. Yeah, we were calling it the Canavan. And if you saw content related to that, we figured we should change the name before we get in too much trouble. It was trademarked. trademarked And there's the whole shout out to the delivery service. Yeah, what's up, Canavan? Hey, if you want, (laughs) you can give us permission to use your name. It's all good. We changed the name. It's Um, catchy. You know, Canavan. The Mary Jane Mobile is cool too, though. I think Mary Jane Mobile is going to be great. So yeah, we're building out that. Check it out on YouTube as always. If you have any questions, comments, by all means, please reach out, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We want to you want to learn with all the listeners about this wonderful thing that we're we're all learning and studying and, and documenting as it becomes more legal and people are doing different and crazy shit with it, like you know, weed oregano. Um, hell to the yeah. Hell to the yeah. So follow us on all of our social channels. Definitely like and subscribe both to the podcast and to the YouTube channel so you can see all the cool stuff that we're coming out with. And uh, yeah, enough uh, shameless self-promotion there. This was a fun one. I love it. I love when we do a fun one with just like genuinely like good-heartedness. About yeah, it, I mean, so. we've been kind of digging deep in some... some hardcore (laughs) maybe not hardcore but just like intense topics and so it's nice to do something that's still really informative and intelligent but just a little more just fun fun cooking with weed it's fun (laughs) and if you have any questions jeff's super awesome reach out to him or let us know here info at maryjaneexperience.com we fucking love the shit out of you potheads yeah. Good night, stoners. Excuse my French. And all you canna curious, canna enthusiasts, everybody listening to the podcast. Stay tuned for more coming up next week. Holla at your boy. And with I that, I'm, I'm you, probably going to play Lowrider, even though it's going to take down. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Legalize it. Yeah. Yeah. And we will advertise it. Shout out to Peter Tosh. Uh, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of cannabis songs lately. It's just not-